here's some stuff I want to talk about before we before we send anything else. Okay. Is when you do a show like this, you miss some stuff. Yes. Okay. And and we miss something. It's not even worth talking about, except talking about how we missed it. And that is the uh Laurel and Yanny thing. Remember that? Oh yeah. That would have been great, but we missed it. And there's nothing we can do about that. I didn't even think to bring that one up to you. <laughs> okay. That was so like, yeah, no, that one, whatever. That's too mainstream. That was a non-starter, huh? On another thing that we missed but didn't miss is our boy. Our boy released an album. <laughs> It's good. You can bring it up, but I wasn't. Just because I feel like I'm too biased and too in love with him, and people just, uh, I roll, ugh. Mm. And we just defended him crazy in the, you know, two episodes ago. <laughs> All right, it's true. Let's leave it. Let's leave it. All right, hey, do you have a link for me? I do. Bro, did you see this? Ketchup versus mustard rap battle. Welcome to the Rap-Off Battle League, and I'm your host, the kid who always gets it cracking, whether cooling in the fridge or up in the mix in your kitchen cabinet, your player partner, bacon soda. We got a crazy flavor clash today between two of the sauciest condiments in history. On my left-hand side, I'm in the refrigerator! Ooh, and on my right-hand side, player partner, who is you? It's your boy, Mustard. You must heard what it is. French's gang. Free my man Butter doing life in the box. Let's go. Yo, in hindsight, Mustard has an ugly color. I'll take Mustard's musty mother and uppercut her through the upper cupboard. I'll run your cousin and your brother through the onion cutter. You belong in the dessert section next to the fluffy custard because you're sweet as honey, Mustard. Look at Dijon and horseradish looking like... That was a whole lot of condiment jokes in a very short period of time. It's kind of incredible. Did we talk about the whole mayo ketchup thing that Kraft was doing? Ah, uh, no, but as a Hispanic, I felt disrespected. Yeah, it's kind of messed up, right? I mean, not like really messed up, but dog, it's existed before you made it a product. I guess I guess mayonnaise and ketchup could do a little collabo, huh? <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't want to hear mayo's bars. No, I don't think so either. I don't think he's got much. Can I send you one? Yes, go ahead. I think that as we've been doing these episodes, we've really been nailing down exactly what it is that this show exists for. Yep. You know, there are just certain articles that you start to come across, certain things that you come across in the world that you say, absolutely, this exists just so that I can talk about it with Ben. Yep. And there's a specific, very specific category. Okay. And that category is movies with celebrities playing or interacting with weird video game characters. <laughs> what is this? And here's a new one to add to the repertoire of stuff. Bro, did you see this? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't see this. So we've talked about a good old Detective Pikachu and who's going to be voicing that. So, you know, expect that hot take whenever that movie comes out. We've talked about some other stuff in the same vein, but now... We got another beloved childhood mascot getting the Hollywood treatment, and that one is Sonic the Hedgehog. Which, you know, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Make a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Get some Chaos Emeralds on screen. 
I think that all works. Oh my gosh, I don't like this. This does not look good. So this headline is, Sonic the Hedgehog movie eyes Jack Black, comma, Ed Helms for lead role. And lead role is a bit ambiguous, right? Yeah, is he going to play Sonic, or is he going to play a human that Sonic will (laughs) interact with? Which, either one is bad for both of those people. Exactly. So it seems like there's going to be a human, and that human's name is going to be Tom. And Tom is going to be a policeman. Gosh. And he's going to play, I'm assuming, some, oh, befuddled, always out. relief. Yeah, oh my gosh, Sonic just is... You know, dashing off and leaving his hair blown in the wind. And oof, I just think this is going to be a whole lot, Ben. Tom is described as a sarcastic highway patrol cop who befriends the blue hedgehog. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course. (sighs) I dislike this a lot. Tell me more. I don't want to go so far and jump out the window, but I don't think I want to see this movie. Like, I'm going to see this movie so we can report on it and review it for the show, but... I'm not going to see it on my own accord. Yeah. Where this could easily be like super cheesy. I kind of hoped that Sonic went like the extreme sports route and had maybe more of a, not this guy, but like a Zac Efron type human if they need to have a human. Mm. So at least it's like, okay, it's extreme, you know, quote unquote. All right, I get it. Or, or maybe like a kid, you know, one of the stranger kids or one of the kids from it, something like that. But a bumbling dummy cop. And they said, so it's Jack Black, Ed Helms, and also Owen Wilson. Mm. But That could be nice. No. Wow. How? How? Wow. <laughs> How? Wow. No. It was going to be Paul Rudd, but I guess Paul Rudd said nah. Which I could stomach stuff, Paul Rudd. And then also Jason Siegel. These are all too, like, ah, no, I'm not, I'm not into it. Man, this is a bummer. Here's the deal. Can you tell me what a plot for a Sonic the Hedgehog movie where he teams up with a policeman is going to be? Because I can't tell you. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, the cop is actually complicating it. <laughs> I think it could you, could you could make it about like the environment and Sonic is trying to save like the animal creatures and Dr. Robotnik is, you know, big industry. Right. Yeah, you could go. Yeah. But the cop throws it all off. Sonic story, super timeless. Beautiful, perfect paradise of nature. Uh Uh-oh, industry comes in, starts destroying everything, turns those beautiful birds and beautiful bunnies into weird robots, and now the whole land is ruined. Only Sonic can save them by bopping the enemy on the head three times, (laughs) as for all 90 games. That's how they all work. You just got to bop them on the head three times, and it's all good. Bop, bop, bop. Bop, bop, bop. It's all back to normal. Everything's good. Bop, bop, bop since the 80s. But here's the deal is, oh, yeah, and then, of course, lots of scenes where you're just running real fast, right? So you could make some good stuff. Apparently, there's like a great either comic or like anime or cartoon or something that's been out in the last couple of years that people have been really loving. So like you can do Sonic well. No. Now, making it into a two-hour movie, maybe not the best idea, which is why it hasn't happened in 20 years of Sonic's existence. Yep. But here's the deal is we've, we've come to this conclusion, right? Sonic story, good. Sonic story, two hours, not good. Sonic story plus Jack Black, Plus two hours equals good? I don't think so. I don't think that we add we add that little bit in there and everything's fine now. I think that it's still just as bad. I think it Maybe got worse. Even more bad I think it got worse. Than it was before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do like that it mentions an article that said that Paul Rudd was gonna be in it. And somebody that was associated with Paul Rudd actually like checked in and clarified and said not happening, which is just good to me because that's a clear sign that People are already afraid of this film. 
Don't forget that we're going to get in the next couple of years, not only a Sonic movie, but another Mario movie. Don't forget that news. If they involve a human in that one, oh my gosh, that better just be Mario, Luigi, Princess, and Bowser. That's it. It's being made by the studio that made Minions. So... Well, it's going to be crap then. Come on, man. He's iconic. He's everywhere with his adorable overalls. You know there's like a... He's every meme. You know there's like a ton of them. It's not just one, right? No, I don't. There's like Kevin, Bob, Dave. There's like a ton of them. Wait, they have names? Yeah. They all have dumb human names. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right, we got to move on. Yeah. You're still thinking about it. Well, and yeah, now I want a Sonic and Hedgehog and uh, Mario movie. Whoa. All right. Link me. Okay. (laughs) Just like that story was... Uh, incredibly on brand for our show and you know we just you see the pattern you see the matrix i would say that this link is equally perfect for our show so for once millennials are doing something positive (laughs) oh great let's see millennials are saving the frozen food aisle Uh. oh buddy Oh, man. It's like... That's not the article I was hoping for. (laughs) They're doing something good. Oh, Oh, no. They're saving the wrong thing. Oh, God. (sighs) Okay. Millennials are the new generation looking for an easy and simple solutions to meal preparation. Wait, 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 wait. Do you eat frozen food? I used to in college, but rarely, if ever now. I get on occasion, very rarely, like a frozen food from Trader Joe's because they're like fine and like quick and cheap. You know, but I mean, it is a once on a blue moon type of experience. It's not anything more than that. The most I would do, you know, or the most that I've done recently is like maybe a frozen pizza or like, a, you know, Tyson, uh, like chicken tenders or something like that. See, I would not do that. You've never done that? No, that sounds terrible. The pizzas are great, but the chicken is bad. No, but it's not like it's literally it's it's fried chicken. OK, so let's see. I need an article here. OK, Bloomberg. Boom. I'm opening this up. I'm getting to the bottom of this. (laughs) This article starts off on a real bad pun. Here it is. Frozen food is heating up. (laughs) After after slumping for years, the freezer case has become a bright spot in the supermarket aisles. Brands like Banquet Frozen Dinners, Eggo Waffles, and Stouffer's Entrees are rising in popularity. Man, Three out of three, those are all bad. I mean, Eggos are fine, but they're not. I would not buy an Eggo. Especially when you've had, like, fresh chicken and waffles. No way. Eggo can... Yeah. So they're rising in popularity despite appearing out of step with food trends such as quinoa, kale, and (laughs) farm-to-table. Even millennials... Wow, even... Man, the way that they're writing this. Even millennials. (laughs) Those losers. A generation known for its foodie tastes are embracing frozen vegetables in meals, which are convenient and less expensive than takeout. Americans in general are buying more frozen food, with volume growing in 2018 for the first time in five years. So for five years, it's been on the low. And for the first year ever, it's starting to get its popularity back. Now, there's something interesting there, which is they said frozen vegetables, which I don't really do frozen vegetables, but I buy the heck out of frozen fruit for smoothies. Do you ever do that? Uh, Not a ton, but I have in the past. Yeah. So I've probably given a little bump to my frozen food aisle because I'm like constantly buying frozen fruit because it makes such a good base for like a nice smoothie. So that's fine. I guess frozen vegetables, I've never really thought about whether or not I think of them as like gross. But I mean, if if you're going to have to pick like Taco Bell or frozen vegetables, I think that you'd be better off getting the frozen vegetables. Taco Bell. Well, okay. <laughs> you'd be better off going to Flavortown and getting that Taco Bell $5 fill up or whatever it's called, $5 combo meal. 
I think $5 Phillips KFC, but <laughs> you'd be on a healthier tip if you got the frozen vegetables. Yeah. So, oh, no way. The unlikely comeback has lifted a number of companies. After a four-year slump, Kellogg, maker of Special K and Frosted Flakes, has returned to growth in recent quarters. That's thanks in part to a boost from Egos, which benefited from its prominence in the Netflix series Stranger Things as the favorite food of the mysterious telekinetic girl named Eleven. Oh, my gosh. So, for real... Eleven going and loving those those good good egos has helped turn Kellogg into the green. That's insane. Dang man, I want. I wonder if it's like people seeing it and they're nostalgic and they're like, "Oh, let's go get egos," or if it's like subliminal and they're not even realizing it. And they pass the aisle and they're like, "Where have I seen this already?" They're, like they're primed for it and then they you know grab it. I remember watching season one of Stranger Things and and I did think that an ego would be real good, but I didn't act on the impulse. I think I. I moved I moved right along. The article continues and says that vegans have also gravitated to the freezer aisle looking for products like meat-free burgers, according to Jordan Roast, Vice President of Consumer Insights at Nielsen. These products have helped fuel growth by driving up prices. These are things people are willing to pay a premium for. So that again, that's that actually does make sense to me. If you're trying to eat clean and you have this very specific thing that you have to do and somebody's making vegan frozen food, you're pretty apt to get that. And that does cost a lot of money, even though it's frozen. So that's kind of interesting to me. And then sales of frozen vegetables have been particularly strong, jumping 4.5% in the last year to $3 billion. Holy smokes. So that's a lot of frozen veggies, man. Man. I never really think about that, but yeah, that's a lot. So that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like millennials just gave up and now they're buying bad frozen meals. I mean, I feel like a bunch of them have given up. <laughs> I mean, that might be true, but I mean, I think that's probably normal. But then it's like, yeah, there are people coming out with frozen food that's like, quote unquote, good. And so people are buying that. And yeah, I get it. I just feel like frozen meals are always disappointing, man. I feel like they're not good. Yeah. And they, and they always like shrink. Like you open the packaging and you're like, oh, okay. And then you microwave it. And then it just looks like gross after like the heat. Where I live, there is a Marie Callender's restaurant. What? Which is weird to me. Because I think of Marie Callender's as a frozen food item, but I think that it's an actual restaurant chain. But I am scared to go in because I think if I go in, I will just be served a frozen frozen meal. There's no way around that, right? I didn't I didn't know that they were a restaurant chain. That's blowing my mind. A little show confession here. I kind of grew up on Marie Callender's fettuccine, which was not good. I wasn't happy about it even as a kid. I wasn't like, oh yeah, feed me some more of that. I think they also had like a pot pie or something. And they basically just tasted like chicken and water. You know why you were raised on them? Because they cost like 75 cents. Yeah, I know. And you know, know what? While you have, you know, higher taste, it's not as crazy confession. I was raised on Marie Callender's as well. I definitely had tons of mm -hmm. um, home-cooked meals, but I was a growing boy and my mom couldn't keep up with my consumption. These were support meals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Interesting, interesting. Because she had, you know, three three boys who would just eat all the stuff in the kitchen. So it was a way to, like, offset the cost of, like, here you go. Eat all this dumb crap. I just typed in Marie Callender's Frozen. I'm looking at all the photos. It's just bringing me right back. <laughs> we got chicken and corn and mashed potatoes. I had that. Three cheese tortellini. We got a Salisbury steak. I sure had that. Let me tell you, the flavor on that steak... Not good. We got some chicken tenders. I think I had those. Yeah, the Salisbury steak one's not Meat good. Meatloaf and gravy. Ugh. Definitely had that. 
sesame chicken. Pretty sure I was excited to go to a little, you know, exotic, exotic food. And I don't believe that it delivered on that promise whatsoever. Yeah, Marie Callender's, man. These are, these are bad. Okay, you know what I'd wreck, though? Pizza rolls. <laughs> Who wouldn't, though? Now, pizza rolls or bagel bites? Or are they different categories for you? Oh, I think bagel bites aren't as good. <laughs> what? Okay, I think that I didn't know how to make a bagel bite when I was a kid because they always tasted kind of rubbery. Put them in maybe the I oven. didn't do it right. Maybe I was putting them in the microwave. Maybe you can't. Maybe that was my yeah, no, folly. Got, I can't remember if I a, did that or not. It's a long game with those. <sighs> I don't think I had the patience when I was a kid. Man, this whole conversation taking me so. I haven't thought about this kind of stuff in a long time. I used to make a Dijon mustard soy sauce combo to dunk those pizza rolls into. I don't know why, but every time. What? Yeah, that was a, a, a requirement. You couldn't have a pizza roll without that soy sauce Dijon. What? Drew, you just eat the pizza <laughs> roll as it is. Uh, not, I sure didn't. You Philistine. What is that? Incorrect. That's a gross concoction. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like kids always make gross things. I feel like I remember everybody dunking their pizza and like ketchup ranch when I was in elementary school and dumb stuff like that. I didn't subscribe to that. I remember that, but I didn't subscribe. I didn't to that. subscribe to that one either. I think kids just love ranch, which, hey. That's fine. All right, link me, sir. Let's do a little, another little nostalgia run. Okay. Bro, what was the first online game you played? Like playing with others? Yeah. Uh, wow, that's a tough question. Uh, hmm. So I didn't play a ton of online games. I would have to say that it's, <laughs> it might be like Call of Duty. Really? Like that recent, huh? Not like recent, recent, but like 20, you know, 10. One of those Call of Duties. That's still pretty recent. We didn't have like fast internet growing up. So it wasn't like, yeah, let's use up the, the dial up. <laughs> and then I feel like my parents were wary about like chat rooms and stuff. Yeah, so you couldn't get on those. So they weren't looking for us to like talk with people. And yeah, so the first Xbox would be the, you know, the first system to potentially have that. But we didn't have Xbox Live then. Mm. And then... Uh, we didn't get, yeah, because then I bought myself an Xbox 360 myself and then bought Xbox Live. I definitely preceded you here. And one of the games that I dabbled in, but I did not really play, was something called RuneScape. I do know RuneScape. I played that then a little bit in middle school, but not, you know, not a ton. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so like that weird, like that time in your life where it's like, what's this? What does this do? And you kind of get on and you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And you kind of play it for a little bit and then you logged off. Yes. That's probably the last time I thought about RuneScape. Bad. But here's the thing that I learned today is it just has still existed until right now. Really? Yeah. RuneScape Classic has been going for 17 years and is now shutting down. What the end of RuneScape Classic means for the game dedicated... Oh, what? I guess what happened is that they have created a few different versions of RuneScape, and I believe that the game still exists. But basically, the the version that you and I remember from a long, long time ago, you could still like log into and play, which is kind of crazy that that is a, like exists. I think that um, the iPhone is beginning to condition me to the idea that games just don't last that long. Things come, they go. I remember when I was younger uh, in high school. I was really fascinated by a game called Star Wars Galaxies, which was the first MMO that had the Star Wars universe in it. And yeah. a lot of um, MMOs are like very fantasy based, including RuneScape. And I'm not huge on that, but something being sci-fi, I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. But I never played it. And by the time that I could play it, it had shut down. So these things don't last very long. 
Uh, 17 years is incredible. And in fact, I looked it up and it has had over 200 million accounts created and is recognized in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's largest and most updated free MMO. So that's a lot of people that have been playing this game and it's done, you know, it's, it's time to call it quits. So why are they shutting it down? And I don't think that anyone, I I don't know. I mean, (laughs) probably because it's 17 years old in a ghost town. Like that's my guess. Um. I just I just pulled up the other article and uh let's see. Um the blog post says that new technology has made the game easily abused and susceptible to botting and basically the only people that are really on it these days are bots and stuff and they're they're ready to stop developing it and supporting it and move on to a new version of the game. But this article that I sent you is t- is called What the End of RuneScape Classic Means for the Game's Dedicated Streamers. And I thought that it was really interesting that not only are people still playing the game, but people are like full-time streaming themselves playing the game. That's a lot different than what I thought video game streaming was. Because I think about people playing like Fortnite, people playing that kind of stuff. But I think it's it's curious that someone has been... Why this, though? And maybe I'm just being harsh because, you know, the graphics. But, like, why not a game like Skyrim or, you know, or Breath of the Wild? RuneScape, does, do people really enjoy the graphics of this? I think people feel really nostalgic about this in this time period. And um, I could definitely see how if you had lived a certain time where you actually made good friends on this platform, that you wouldn't want to give it up after that had gone by. Or... If you just found it really curious that this was such a big deal for such a long time. I mean, that's the thing is like, I just feel like everyone had a RuneScape account. I feel like nobody actually played RuneScape, but everybody had played it for like 10 seconds. I have like a memory of like getting some good items and then being killed by someone and like them looting my items or something like that. And I don't think I ever picked it up after that. But I had that experience in the game and that's kind of significant. Yeah, that's nuts. Geez, 17 years, that really is a good grip of time. That's a long time, man. I wonder why they haven't, or they like weren't updating it periodically in this version, you know? Well, I think that they didn't ever update this version because people liked it. And so there's something called RuneScape 3, but that's totally different from this, you know? What, what does that look like? It looks nice. Oh, yeah, go play RuneScape 3. Jeez. Yeah, I definitely remember, you know, playing it for like a second in middle school and not being good and like, oh, you have to grind and like really, you know, mine for things. Nope, I'm good. Here's the wild thing is I'm looking at some information about this. And I think that this thing, RuneScape Classic, is the same thing as old school RuneScape. And if old school RuneScape is different from RuneScape Classic, I totally give up and I don't understand RuneScape at all. And I actually could be wrong. But... Just this thing, I'm looking at a version of the game that looks very different and like old and bad. And it says that despite having a smaller staff and a slower relative update schedule, old school RuneScape had more than twice the active players of RuneScape 3 by 2017. So there's something about these old games that people really like. Go to sleep, people. I don't know. <laughs> I just am so, like, the past is not as precious to me. I'm, I'm definitely way more thinking about the future. And so when people are so tied to, no, but it's my, my thing. I don't know. I The contrarian in me wants to just be like, no, it's deleted. Bye. Sorry. You have to move on. I just do have to t- say that I do think that RuneScape Classic and old school RuneScape are two different things. And that is wild. That's a wild naming scheme you guys got there. Old school RuneScape and RuneScape Classic 
are two separate things. And they're not the same as RuneScape 3. That is dumb. (laughs) Upon its official release, RuneScape 2 was renamed RuneScape, while the older version of the game was kept online under the name RuneScape Classic. So RuneScape Classic is... You have old school RuneScape. You have RuneScape Classic. You have RuneScape 2 that just became RuneScape. And you have RuneScape 3. That is very good. Give me another link, sir. Give me another link. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Here is... Wait, no, you give me a link. Oh, okay. I want a link. So this is another weird one. Uh, Bro, did you see this? So we haven't really done a ton of like fashion-y type topics. But the fashion world has been going through some, you know, expedited cycles of trends, you know, like running through them faster than normal. Mm. So like this dad core type style is really popular recently where like big bulky shoes that look like they're from the 90s, old shirts, baggy, baggy this, you know, just like dad hats. A lot of old things are coming back. But Balenciaga is really taking it to the next level. So they recently came out with a dad shoe and people were just you know making fun of it and like man you guys are going way too far and their prices are like crazy it's like thousands of dollars but you know it's still a shoe okay Mm -hmm. expensive Mm -hmm. but it's a shoe but now balenciaga has taken it up to a ridiculous level and they have released this 1290 dollar t-shirt shirt shirt. (laughs) okay Oh, I just scrolled down to it, and now I see what's happening here. So it's a blue t-shirt, and around that blue t-shirt's collar is sewed a another shirt, this one a checkered button-up. And listener, when I say sewed around the collar is another shirt, you must think that I mean it's like a double-layered shirt where you put the t-shirt on and voila, you're also wearing this button-up. But no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. It no. is literally as if I took the button-up shirt, held it to your chest, and superglued it to the tee that you were wearing. And it's not like it's a, uh, are you familiar with uh, a dicky where it's like a, a fake, a fake undershirt? Yes, It's yes. not like any of these items are fake. No. It's a fully formed button-up shirt that is sewn on top of a fully formed t-shirt. Yes, it is a t-shirt, and it is a button-up shirt. So could you wear the button-up? I bet. So all the models on their website are not wearing it that way. But you could, right? You could. Yeah, you could take the, you could unbutton the shirt. So then it would turn into, like, you having a cape. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's here's a problem I have. I don't like these hot takes where I don't get to see it. I want to see what's on the tin. So I'm going to Balenciaga.com. I need to see it straight from the source. Maybe there's going to be a description here that's going to fix it all. I bet not, but we'll, okay. we'll go check it out. Oh, no. It, it solves everything. Here it goes. T-shirt, shirt. That's the name of it. Okay? Not T-shirt. Not shirt. T-shirt, shirt. $1,290. <laughs> and here's the, here's, yep, yep. Here's the description. Striped short sleeves and long sleeves. Shirts with two wearing options. I'm going to read you that sentence again because it's a very good sentence. Striped short sleeves and long sleeves shirts. Striped short sleeves and long sleeves shirts. Do you know how many plurals that is? With two wearing options. So yes, it is made for you to be able to wear the other one. This is a different one. It's called the double shirt. Double shirt. Okay, <laughs> okay. So we're getting deeper in here. Okay, so now we have two collared shirts. One of those collared shirts is, looks like, 
striped, uh, a striped light blue shirt, got a collar, looks normal. And then the other collared shirt is dark blue stripes. And it is, again, attached very awkwardly to the front of the shirt. This one's interesting because they realized, they realized there's no way that you can put on inside shirt if both shirts aren't buttonable. So it seems like they broke second shirt down the middle. Doesn't it look like that? Yeah. But I don't know how you get your arms through that one. I'm not sure. Yeah. So so now we have shirt and two halves of a shirt. But it still says that there's two wearing options. So there must be a way to wear half shirt. We're just not seeing it. I just don't know what it is. Mm -mm, I'm not seeing it. And I would like to change the subject, please, immediately. (laughs) All right. Well, if I can offer up a complete palate cleanser. Okay. This is no better, Ben. I'm not a bigger fan of this one than I was the last one. Go ahead and read that. You are. Go ahead and read that headline for us. Hippos poop so much that sometimes all the fish die. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh man. This is this is something. This article is interesting. Can I read it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Ooh. At first, Chris Duton and Amanda Subaluski had no idea why the fish were dying. At a bridge on the border between Kenya and Tanzania, they noticed that whenever the Mara River rose by a few feet, dead fish would wash up on its banks, sometimes in the thousands. Storks, vultures, crocodiles, and hyenas made short work of the carcasses, so, quote, if you weren't there to see it, you'd never know what's happening. Local rangers knew about the die-offs, but they blamed the events on farmers who sprayed pesticides in upstream fields. So, why are the fish dying? Probably because of pesticides. That makes sense. No, it wasn't the farmers, (laughs) says the article. Through an increasingly bold set of experiments involving remote-controlled boats, computer simulations, a makeshift dam, and vast tankers of excrement-filled water, Dutan and Subaluski identified the real culprits, hippos. Those damn hungry hippos. The duo who were married, thank you, article, for telling me their personal relationship. I was really curious. We needed to know. I'm assuming you're not talking about the hippos. (laughs) No, the hippos are married. Published their results in a paper with the remarkably polite title of Organic Matter Loading by Hippopotami Causes Subsidy Overload Resulting in Downstream Hypoxia and Fish Kills. To translate, hippos sometimes poop so much that all the fish choke to death. (laughs) Uh, wow. I love this article so much. At night, hippos wander into grasslands to graze. During the day, they return to rivers to keep cool and protect themselves from sunburn. As they wallow, they constantly urinate and defecate. That makes sense. I get that. Yeah. 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 But here's the deal. Every day, the 4,000 or so hippos in the Mara, that's a lot of hippos. That is so many hippos. Deposit about 8,500 kilograms of waste into a stretch of river that's just 100 kilometers long. Whoa. Down at the bridge, they say, you can put a net in the water for a few seconds and the entire middle will just be coated with hippo feces. (laughs) That's not the full quote. The full quote continues. There's hippo feces everywhere. That's not the full quote either. It continues. (laughs) Over the rocks. Over the bottom. So that's a lot. Oh, That's a man. lot. It sounds like this guy's a little traumatized, and I'm not. I don't. I don't blame him. This sounds like a real bad experience. In the dry season, when the Mara becomes narrower and shallower, certain stretches of it become especially thick with hippos and their dung. Hippos are aggressive and dangerous, so only the foolhardiest of researchers would wade into these so-called hippo pools. 
Instead, Dutan and Subaluski deployed a remote-controlled boat armed with sensors. It revealed that the mud and water at the bottom of these hotspots is a stagnant mess of ammonia, methane, hydrogen sulfide, and other chemical grotesqueries. It's also starved of oxygen. Almost all of the gas is consumed by bacteria as they slowly digest the accumulated hippo poop. Wow. That is bad. Dude. It's killing all the fish. During heavy rains, extra water floods into the hippo pools, churning up the putrefying muck and sending it off downstream. For good reasons. These events are called, quote, flushing flows. To study them, Dutan and Subaluski used an oxygen logger, an arm-long cylindrical device that, to the untrained eye, looks like a pipe bomb. This guy's given us some interesting details in this article that I don't think I needed to know. And maybe gives me a little problem with how he feels about things, but that's okay. <laughs> and Dutan seems okay with it too, saying, We always get stopped at airports. What a good-natured guy this Dutan is. Once dangled off the side of a bridge, the logger reveals the flushing flows dramatically reduce the oxygen levels of the downstream river, often to levels that are lethal for many aquatic animals. That, says Dutan and Subaluski, suffocates the fish. So, I don't know. It seems like they go even through more, but that's enough confirmation for me, man. There's some bad hippo stuff going on. But bizarrely, this is the second study to be published this week on how hippo poop affects river environments. Oh, no. <laughs> Keenan oh, no. Steers from the University of California at Santa Barbara did similar work in Tanzania's Great Ruha River. Unlike the Mara, the Ruha's waters have been heavily drained by upstream farms. During the dry season, it stops flowing altogether, and its hippos are confined to isolated pools. Steers found that the pools with lots of hippos have much less oxygen than those uh, where the bees are rare. So, man, just like hippo poop, bees, uh, it's, it's popular. Hippos doing some damage, man. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's, that's very strange. So here's the thing. Do we just need less hippos? Uh, yeah, actually, no. Okay, let's let's try to solve this. Okay. Is it a hippo reduction? Is it, like, opening channels so more water collects so they're not as, you know, just confined to small areas? Hmm. So I feel like where I might not care, killing hippos probably is not on people's, you know, top top thing to, to accomplish. I think that killing hippos might not be a bad idea because it doesn't sound like the Mara's got a lot to preserve because this is how the article ends. Last year, the duo showed that migrating wildebeest nourished the Serengeti by drowning in mass in the Mara, adding about 1,100 tons of dead meat to the river every year. So the Mara River is itself killing a bunch of wildebeest. And the hippos and wildebeest act as conveyor belts, channeling land-based nutrients into the water in the form of excrement and carcasses. The water runs through a landscape that's dominated by herds of elephants and thousands of zebras and gazelle. In this way, the Mara reflects what rivers elsewhere in the world might have once looked like before humans slaughtered their way through mammoths, bison, and other megafauna. It's not a babbling brook of clear water. It's a world of dead bodies, putrefying poop, and the occasional wave of suffocation. <laughs> so, hey, that sounds terrible. You know how everyone's always saying that nature's good, including Sonic the Hedgehog, who we talked about earlier? This sounds like nature's bad. Nature's very bad. Nature's very bad, and I don't want it, Ben. I'm not into it <laughs> We anymore. don't have to go outside, bro. So let's kill say. some hippos. <laughs> That's such a Ben stance, though, killing hippos. I feel like I'm the one that should be rallying against killing hippos. And you're the one that's like... Okay, well, give me your stance. No, 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 I don't. I feel... I'll take my stance. I'll take my stance. Hippos are good. Now you go, Ben. 
No, you already took the Ben stance. I needed to be the guy. You took the Ben stance. <laughs> That's not even on brand for you to be so uh, against a, a topic like that, against an animal. I'm the animal disliker. I like fish. Uh, I'm standing up for fish in this situation. Uh, okay, that's truly true. Stands up for the little guy. It sounds like there's too many hippos. That's all I got to say. All right, then kill him. You convinced me. Let's do it. Okay, okay. All right, somebody get on that. Dutan? Dutan? No, what? Zubaluski? <laughs> no, we'll do it on a world tour when we're training for the Olympics. Okay, perfect. We'll go to Amara and uh, we'll, you know, hunt a couple hippos and come back with the meat and uh, feed our families for years. I wonder what hippo tastes like. I'm going to look up hippo steak. It looks just like regular steak. See, I'm a seasoned veteran in here. You seasoned with salt. Don't think that I won't swing. Even the eggs in here came to see you get yoked. So you better try to concentrate like orange juice. What's that? Cause you about to get beat to a pulp. You used to be that guy. Now Sriracha the one. I try to coach catcher. Cause I got the sauce in these buns. Quit banging with Prego. Repping pasta. That'll get you shot in the slums. Hey, yo, tomato. Yes, sir. That's how you talk to your son. And there it is. 